Welcome to my testimony and today we have a very special guest, someone who is very passionate about young people, Nikki Cameron. Nikki, welcome to my testimony. Hey guys. Yeah, and I know a lot of young people at Plantation, this is your Nikki right here, man, and she's on my testimony. Thank you for having me. so before we get into Nikki's testimony let's bow our heads for prayer father we thank you for this beautiful day we thank you for Nikki and for her passion for the youth and as we speak with her today Lord we just ask that you just give her the words that she may speak from her heart and our souls will be blessed and that anyone who is listening to this testimony will grow closer to you we pray in Jesus name amen amen Amen. All right, so Nikki, uh, we we know how passionate you are about young people and everything, and yeah. um, you do a wonder. First of all, you do a, a very good job at plantation with the young people. Yep. And, Thank and you. With, with the amount of young people that we have over there, man. So we, many. Yeah. Yeah. We we, we need and someone like you, man, so holding it down. <laughs> <laughs> so just want to let you know that we do appreciate you and we do appreciate um you know we have a teenage daughter and we we do appreciate trusting her in your hands you know well, with, thank with all you. of the I other leaders yeah. all right yeah so why did you get involved with the youth in the first place why choose that ministry out of all the other ministries <laughs> well um so for me and you guys said it i'm very passionate about working with youth i i always remember when i was a youth a younger youth, because I'm an older youth now. <laughs> but um, so I always remember when I was a younger youth, I felt so misunderstood. Um, there were times when I felt alone, and um, I went to church many a times, wanting a hug, mm. just wanting somebody to stop and say, "Hey, how's it going?" or just you know check in. And mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have that all the time, especially when my family moved here. So for me, um, I wanted to make sure that when I see any young person, any youth, I'm intentional about taking time out to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And then as a youth, I had my own um, struggles. So as a youth, I remember praying to God, asking God to, to take my life. Mm -hmm. Like There are nights I begged God before I went to bed, please, God, don't let me wake up tomorrow. Just end my miserable life. Mm -hmm. And then when I would wake up the next morning, I would be angry with God, like, why did you wake me up? And um, I was always that youth that would ask questions, like, if I saw things that didn't make sense or the hypocrisy with the grown-ups, mm -hmm. I would challenge it and I would call them out on it. So I did get into a lot of trouble for it. Um, and I felt, I mean, I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. It just never made sense to me that one thing was being preached in church, mm -hmm. but then the adults were doing something else, right? Mm. 
So I, it was my, at a portion of my youth, it was very difficult for me. And I just, I did not want to be alive. I wanted to be dead. I wanted God to just take my life because I didn't feel like I belong here. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. um, you were born and raised in, in the Adventist church, correct? Yes. I was born and raised in the Adventist church. My, um, I moved here from Jamaica when I was much younger with my family so there was no choice as to I go to church when I want or not. I knew every Saturday morning, unless my legs are falling off, I was mm -hmm. going to church. Right. right. So and I appreciated it. It's just that um, a lot of things never made sense to me. My family were very traditional, strict Seventh-day Adventist. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I came here, things seemed to be a little bit more laid back. So it, it, a lot of things just never, it wasn't adding up to me before I came here. And then it wasn't adding up to me when I came here even more, you know, mm -hmm. so I felt misunderstood. And there are other things happening in my life as well. Like um, at my late adolescence, my, I lost my brother when we moved here. Um, he was murdered and wow. I blame myself for it. And mm -hmm. because I blame myself for it, I felt like guilty for a living. So mm. I started asking God to take my life. I would drive and I would say, I hope when I drive, I crash. I, mm. I hope I have an accident tomorrow or God tonight when I go to bed, when I wake up tomorrow morning, please let tonight be the night. Wow. I really had no purpose for living anymore. I, I just didn't care about living. And um, an incident happened in your life that, that changed, changed you. Even even yeah. more, because you know we we're, we're constantly evolving in in God's love. Of course, obviously changing. Of course, because uh, God of works course. with us every day. Mm -hmm. But this right. one incident happened that 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 bring that brought about a change. Tell us about that incident. Uh, it was two years ago. I remember. Um, I was actually driving Dina to class. It was in the afternoon. And I wasn't feeling well. I had a really bad sinus infection. Um, so I was driving her to school. This barely hanging on. And as I was driving her to school, as clear, very distinct, I heard a voice say, Nikki, go over. And I'm going to change the individual's name just to protect his privacy. Mm -hmm. Go over to Tony's house now and go check on him. And I turned around to Dina Ray instantly and I was like, Dina, I just heard, I think I just heard God say something to me. But mm -hmm. I kind of jolted off with her because I was heavily medicated too. I was on sinus meds. So I was like, maybe I'm hallucinating. Maybe these meds are really making me high, right? And, and she laughed and I laughed mm -hmm. and, and I was driving. And then as I was driving again, I heard the voice again, Nikki go over to Tony's house now and check on him. And I was quite annoyed because I'm like, all right, this don't sound, it does not sound like a hallucination this time. This time it really sounds like God saying I need to act. Right. So I was annoyed at first because I wasn't feeling well. And my plan was to take her to school and stay in the car and sleep until her classes were done. So I said it to her again, Dean, I heard the voice again. And she, was, she gave me this look like, okay, so what are you going to do? Um, I called the young man's mother and I said, hey, how is Tony doing? And she said, oh, he's there as usual, just there, just being miserable. And um, I asked her for his number and she gave me the phone number. 
because I really did not want to go to his house. I wasn't in the mood to be bothered. I wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. So I, when she gave me the number, I said, you know, Dina, let me just go ahead and dial the number. We tried to dial the number. The call would not go through, not for the life of me. So I was even more irritated. And I kept saying to Dina, I'll just go another time. So I, I kept driving again. And I, I pulled up at um, school to drop her off right there by Broad College because that, that individual didn't live very far from there. Again, I heard the voice, and that was even louder than before. Go over to Tony's house and check on him now. <laughs> mm. And um, I told Dina, I said, I'll be right back. I drove over to his house, knocked on the door when I woke up, and when, when I got over there, rather. And when I knocked on the door, I, I kind of hesitated, and I was like, well, he might open the door, and for all I know, I may get cussed out, because he'd probably say, why are you at my house? But I really didn't care at that point. Um, so when he knocked on the door and he opened the door, he had on shades, dark glasses. Mm. And that was the first red flag to me. And the house was like pitch black. It's like, why is this dude in dark glasses in a pitch black house? Right. And I kind of was saying to God in my mind, you know, say, tell me what I need to say. Cause you brought me here. So what I need to say. So I said, Hey, I was driving Dina to school. And I think God told me to come over here and check on you. So I'm here. What do you need my help with? What do you need help with? I'm here. And as Hmm. soon as I said that, he took off the glasses and his eyes, I could see the tears streaming down his face. Hmm. I'm like, what's going on? Can I come in? He said, yes. And I walked in and I hugged him. And he said, well, I'm glad you listened to God because I was just in my, my backyard and I was crying out to God, telling him, I don't want to live anymore. I can't do this. I'm done. I don't want to be alive anymore. I'm, I'm going to get rid of I'm going to kill myself. I don't want to live. And then I said to God, show me that you hear me. Mm. Send me some help. Send me somebody to help me. And every time I think of the story, I talk about it. I feel it. It hits. Right. Because... Right. For somebody whose passion is always to try to make sure that you feel heard and they know that somebody cares, the thought that my disobedience could have, could have um, led to, you know, not that I would have been the reason for him killing himself, right? but the hope he was looking for, I would have deprived him of it. Right, because of my own disobedience so when I think of it and I think of times that I've been disobedient in the past I'm like God what else did I who else's blessing did I block because of my disobedience and look what could have or might have happened because I didn't follow through and listen to you Um, so every time I think of that I I get emotional and it, it really hits me you know because um I walked in and I, I felt his pain and we sat and we talked and he said, yeah, so you showing up shows me that God was listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, what do you need me to help you with? And he said, you know, for three years, I've been trying to find work because, you know, he lives with his mom. And he said, for three years, I've been trying to find work and I can't find a job. Um, because when I was younger, I got into some trouble. And no matter where I go, because of my juvenile record, nobody mm-hmm. wants to give me a chance. And I'm just giving up. Okay. And everybody in my family, everybody at church, everybody's telling me what I need to do and what I should be doing to get my life together. 
but no one has ever said, how can I help you? Right. So I sat down with him and I said to him, tell me three things that you want us to work on together. Three things you think I can help you with short-term things. And this was in June. He said, I want to get a job. Um, I want to go back to school. And there was something else. I don't remember what else it was. Um, and I sat down at the table with him and something kind of said to me, tell him that by August 1st, he'll be working. Mm. And I wrote it on the sheet next to the, where he had the list of things he wanted to get covered. And I said, by August 1st, you're going to be working. And he looked at me and I said, the same way how you <laughs> trusted God to bring somebody here to help you, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to trust him to help me help you and give you the strength and faith you need to get the job. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to him, because it was on a Friday, I said to him, come by my house Monday morning, be there by eight o'clock. Um, let's sit down and, and get your resume done and get you started to get a job because that was his first priority. He was ashamed. He was mm. feeling shame because he had just turned into be transitioned to being a young adult and living with his mom, feeling helpless and worthless. Like my mom shouldn't be the one taking care of me. I should be the one helping my mom. Right. So that shame was just causing to spiral downward with depression. Mm. Um, and he, he showed up to my house. He was actually at my house by 7.50 a.m. in the morning when the doorbell oh. rang. Okay. And we sat there that afternoon the entire day. And, you know, we prayed before we started, sat there that day, and we applied for 13 jobs together. We worked on his resume. I um, helped him to get scheduled to go get some help to go back to school. Mm -hmm. And within two and a half weeks, he had a job. Amen. Wow. Two and a half weeks. Amen. Wow. Um, but this wasn't just me doing it. I reached out to people I know. Right. And asked them to pray, you know, that yeah. God would open doors for him. So within the two and a half weeks, he had a job. Um, the, the thing too is, you know, after that, it, his faith was renewed. He was able to, you know, get back on track with what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a blessing that God allowed me to help him, you know, to give him hope so that he didn't have to kill himself. Because I, I remember what that was like when I felt hopeless. Right. And to know that I was given that opportunity to help him, like that was just mind blowing to me. Yep. And yep. and the thing too, he when I said to him, How much do you wanna make? He said, I, I just want a job that's gonna pay me fifteen dollars an hour. It so worked out that the job he got was the job he wanted and he was able to make twenty one dollars an hour. Wow. Yeah. So that Man. was an amazing. I I don't know Amen. what else yep. is. Say, see, we don't, we don't, don't put a limit on God, we man. Can. You Amen. know, yeah. we, we ask for something, He always give us give more. Us more. You know? Yes, yes. So, yes. how has that changed you working with the youth now after this situation? So, before I was um, always intentional about trying to make sure that they know that I see them, yes, and I hear them, yes, and that they feel safe, loved, and even comfort in my presence. Mm -hmm. Now I'm even more intentional about trying to make sure they sense that. Um, now I'm even more intentional about making sure that when I feel God's presence or I feel God's spirit telling me to reach out to them, mm. that I'm doing that. 
and not second guessing it or not being lazy, putting it off for the next day. I'm not going to say lazy because I am a busy person and and I do a lot, Mm. but now I'm being more attentive and more intentional about trying to connect with them. I'll send them text messages to see how they're doing. Mm. And, you know, I just feel grateful. I mean, they call me, their parents don't even know Mm. several of them. I, I have two of them that I was just able to get one, one of them was thinking of killing herself and the other one called me and told me and I was able to get both of them help. Mm. So I want to always create that space where they know if I'm not comfortable telling my parents or I'm not comfortable telling somebody at school, I know Miss Nikki will help me to get what I need to do, get to get through this. And I, I'm very honest with them. I, I, I don't sugarcoat things with them I'm honest with them I I share some of my own struggles with them because I think we're as adults some of us we forget that we're not perfect we forget where we're coming from right so I try to make sure that I I stay connected and remember my walk as a teenager my walk as a youth right right so and and in in your life um you know you you mentioned some of this already but in your life growing up uh, because of your experiences, you're able to uh, to relate so much to the youth because you've been through that, and you know nothing Absolutely. beats experience. When you Absolutely. when you when you have you know you have walked that road before, so you know exactly and can relate, can relate to what they're going through. So yes. we're going through a very difficult time now with with um with the coronavirus, COVID nineteen. Um, right. Have any of the youth reached out to you during this difficult time and said, Miss Nikki, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time? Absolutely. 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 And I feel so honored that that level of trust is there where they know they can reach out to me. I mean, I always make sure to tell them, depending on what you're telling me, I may or not be a- may or may not be able to keep this confidential. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, I am a mandated reporter. So if any kid calls me and tells me that they're getting abused, I'm sorry, that's not anything I'm going to keep between me and them. Right. Right. Um, right. But yes, I remember my phone went off two o'clock in the morning and it was a youth panicking saying, I just spoke to so and so. And she says she's feeling like killing herself. She can't take any more of it. Her parents are fighting. She can't do it anymore. And I mean, I was asleep at the time. But thank goodness, you know, um, she reached out. I called her back and I was able to get both of them because she also wanted to get herself help. She was having a hard time feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get both of them into therapy with an organization. Because of it, I called a couple of organizations and formed a relationship with them where they know if I call you with referrals for my youth, I need your help to expedite it. Right. So I've partnered with two of them and, and that's how I was able to get them help. Um, I call and checked on a couple of them too, who were struggling because mm-hmm. of things going on in their household. So, you know, the parent chat I have for youth ministry, I'm always trying to post resources in there because mm-hmm. parents think their kids don't talk. They mm-hmm. think their youth don't share things. They speak to each other. Right. And because I know the things they share, um, and one may say, Miss Nikki, can you check on such and such or this person? I do check on them. And I so I feel so blessed and so thankful that God um, has allowed me to be in the position where I can be available to be a source of support 
and bless me with the education, um, the knowledge I have of resources and the um, connections I have in the community that if any of them are suffering or struggling, them or their parents and they reach out to me for help, I'm able to stretch my hand out and get support for them. Tell us a little bit about how, um, how depression works, how dangerous depression can be if you don't treat it. Right. So <laughs> some may not know. So I just want to, I am actually a licensed um, therapist. So my specialty is treating trauma. I do trauma relief work and I help individuals to recover from trauma. And the thing about depression, and I'm going to kind of keep it to youth, the young people. Yeah, um, definitely. The thing about depression, it, and it can be triggered by different things. So for instance, a lot of the youth, things just stopped abruptly for them. They don't have contact with their friends at school. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have contact with teachers. A lot of them were overachievers and involved in different clubs. The loss of control left a lot of them feeling helpless, mm -hmm. right? They, because they started to feel helpless and they didn't have the coping skills they needed to get them through it, that helplessness can be very traumatic to individuals mm -hmm. and lead to depression. So depression is a mood disorder. And, you know, oftentimes I tell people, you feel like you're stuck in a ditch and you're trying to climb out of that ditch. And every step you take up, you keep sliding back down into the ditch. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a mood disorder. Sometimes it's due to environmental factors, which right now what's going on with COVID, that is a major, major environmental factor Definitely. that can trigger depression. It yep. can be caused by divorces, um, the death of a loved one, a lot of individuals, especially some of our youth, they've lost family members who've died because of COVID. Mm. It can be because the pressures of schoolwork change. Mm. So because a lot of them are now online, the workload has increased for so many. Mm -hmm. um, and the swift change is, is now affecting their level of stress. You also have seniors. A lot of our seniors are not able to graduate. Thing, this graduation they've been looking to for years right. is, is now being snatched from mm. them. So mm. That in of itself can trigger depression. Mm. So we have to be very mindful of it. Some things you may see is a change in their behavior. They're lashing out or they're staying in their rooms a lot. They're isolating from people. Their appetite's changing. They're sleeping too much or too little. Mm. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm here. They're sleeping a lot, sleeping too much or too little. Mm. And all of those things are typically indicators of depression. If you notice it's lasting for longer than two weeks, right. it's been a month now and you're still seeing it. Now it's going on two months. Mm -hmm. Then chances are that is because of um, depression. Mm. And I tell people, um, get the help, you know, get the help. It's because I went and I got the help and I learned things I could use to take care of myself where I was able to get through it. Right. But as Christians, sometimes we think prayer alone is enough. Not that prayer isn't good. Prayer is awesome. And God is there for us. Right. But we have to understand that that's why God gave individuals knowledge and wisdom mm -hmm. and allowed us to have skills. Um, if your kids don't have the skills they need to help them get through this, it makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a good relationship with your youth and you guys were not close before COVID, Mm -hmm. where they can come and lie on your lap and cry or hug you and feel comforted. 
then it's going to make it even worse and more challenging for them to get through it. Right. And you don't necessarily need medications. Um, 90% of the clients or the individuals I work with, they're not on medications, but they're learning tools to help them get through this. Right. Right. Yeah. So you, 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 you shared, you shared earlier with me, um, testimony, even with, with, with you and, and Dina, that, um, yeah. the way she was coping, um, tell us a little bit about that. She had a, you know, she was okay at first, but what happened? It got overwhelming because Dina's an overachiever and everything was kind of just snatched away from her swiftly. She's involved in clubs, president of clubs. Dina's mm -hmm. always on the go. And for someone who's an overachiever, always on the go for things to be snatched away and just stopped abruptly, that can cause them to spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. So I saw that she was having difficulty coping with, you know, things just being cut off abruptly. And I checked in with her. We had a conversation about it. I was able to sit there with her, hug her, and I'm like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to say I am angry. It's okay for you to cry it out. It's okay. Um, tell me what your dad and I need to do to help you get through this. Mm. And that day, all she needed from me was to lie in my lap, was for me to hug her and reassure her that I loved her and everything was going to be okay. And a cup of tea. That's what she needed from us at that time. Mm -hmm. But so many other teenagers are different. They may need more. Mm. So if we're not checking in with them as parents, we're, we're really risking it. Even if you may see them smiling, I have a, um, youth or I work, I work with now who are overachievers, they're out there laughing around and smiling with their families. Mm -hmm. But when I'm with them for therapy, they're telling me, I feel like a failure. Wow. I feel hopeless. I don't feel like I can do it. So please don't be fooled by the smiles. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to the behaviors because youth, children speak with their behaviors. They're not adults. So they typically don't express things the way adults would. Mm -hmm. And just listen without judging them. Listen without reprimanding. Listen so they can be heard and, and find out what it is that they need from you to get through it. We're not the only ones stressed. Adults are stressed, but we're not the only ones. They're extremely stressed as well. Right. So, you yeah. know, us as uh, adults, we're just, we're just grown-up youths. You know this that, right? True. <laughs> this is true. I will forever be a youth. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so... So um, f from that testimony with that young man, what is your takeaway from it about listening to God? My takeaway is that I need to stay connected with him. I need to be open, always open. I need to understand that even when I try to be like Jonah, he always finds a way to pull me back. Mm -hmm. um, I think earlier you asked me, how did I end up in youth ministry? I had been asked before several times to step in and I refused to do it. It wasn't until a bunch of the youth came to me and asked me to do it that I decided to do it because I didn't mm -hmm. want to do it. I, I felt like I was too busy. I didn't have the time. And I kept avoiding it until they cornered me. I was like, Miss Nikki, you have to help. You have to step in. Mm -hmm. So for me, my biggest takeaway is you can be Jonah all you want and keep running, but you won't get caught. So now I'm, I'm always looking and listening for opportunities for God to kind of use me. Okay. So that was my biggest takeaway. Right. Um, and, and as I said before, we do appreciate you and Dina and Theo, you know, and, um, oh, thank you. appreciate you and your family for what you're doing at plantation. Thank we just you. want to commend you and just, um, keep, you know, keep up the good works. 
And uh, appreciate put, it. Put God first in everything that you do. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And, Just keep us in prayers. And I miss my babies. I miss all of the youth. I can't wait to go back and see them. I really can't. I know. I know. I know. It's a. It's a. It's a tough time, and I'm glad that you're yeah. there, that they can reach out to you. All of them have your number yeah. on speed dial, right? As far as I know, and if they don't, they always find somebody who, who has my number. That's good. They're like an underground mafia. I know, right? You ain't <laughs> yeah, telling yeah. me. Oh, I have yeah. one of them in my house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who the influencers are. If I need anything to get out, that we're having a wire or anything, I know who to tell, and, and people show up. They're like an underground mafia. And right. that's the other thing, too. If us adults won't listen to them, that's why they turn to their friends because right, they know right. their friends won't let them down. Right. And when they turn to their friends and your influence is gone from them, good luck trying to get that back. I know. I know. Yeah. So, and you know what, though? There's some really good things coming out, though. It's not all negative coming out of this thing because no. I've seen, yes. I've seen uh, some little Bible studies pop up here and yes, there. And, and, it, and it's all the young people stuff. doing it. It's not the adults yes. doing it. Yes. The young people yes. are finding, you know, they're finding their yes. little pocket to study along, along with each other. I yes. kind of sneak in and see who's online, but I try not to, you know. You know yes. I, oh, I they're doing their yeah. Bible studies. They're having their own women of God groups, and yep. I'm so proud of them. They're awesome. They really are awesome kids. Amen. All right. So, Dawn, you're going to pray too? Yes, I will. All right. Oh, loving Father, thank you so much for allowing us to hear this testimony, to see how your hand moves with our young people. Mm -hmm. Are you making yes. in such a strategic situation whereby she can be your hands, your feet, and listen to your yes. voice and be able to follow through and help our young people to understand who you truly are? I continue to ask you, Lord, to bless her and to help her and to be with all of our young people, all of their families. Yes. Continue to touch their lives and help them to be truly connected with you so we, you, we can all be reunited with you. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, so Nikki, one last Nikki, thing, Nikki. if anyone needs help in terms of youth getting help, please, guys, do not hesitate to call me or pick up that phone and call 211. Um, you know, don't. there's no need for anyone to suffer in silence or by themselves. There's tons of things out there for assistance. Amen. So. Amen. And so, Nikki, we're representing our freedom shirt. And I know you have a shirt you're representing. See? Yeah. Yep. See, it says youth. Yes. Yeah, see? There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right guys. Thank Take you care. again, man. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right, bye. bye.